0: to the very first episode of this newest podcast series, Leadership Masterclass with the C-Suite. And the topic for today is startups and funding, right? Every business starts with an idea and some amount of fund and a team, but not everybody sees the kind of success they aspire to be, be it taking it to the IPO or being an acquisition. So what what is the secret behind a startup's success, right? What makes a startup tick? What makes it fail? Who best to answer this question for us today? Other than Mr. Rajiv Madhavan, the founder and general partner of Clear Ventures, a Silicon Valley-based venture capitalist firm that has helped so many startups in various stages of their execution journey, be it funding or forming a team, the execution, and finally seeing it through IPO or you know an acquisition. And personally, in the stellar list of companies that Rajiv has personally helped to succeed are two companies that are personally very dear and close to me, which is Robin Systems, which is now part of Rakuten Symphony and Magma Design Automation, which is now part of Synopsys, a customer that we value and work very closely with. And both of them are market leading companies. And I've always wanted to ask Rajiv these questions when we were briefly associated with Robin.io and how it is even humanly possible to accomplish all of this in such a short span coming from a completely different uh, country right? What gives you the guts? What gives you the appetite to take such huge uh, risks? Then I also realized when I was researching about him that he didn't start this now, right? I mean, there is a very popular YouTube video that's available where he talks about se- selling comic books a- as part of his cool days and then uh, making some, you know, entrepreneurship journey out of it. So I think this is going to be fun finding out from Rajiv and Rajiv, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me here on this podcast, Shubha.
0: Yeah, thank you, Rajiv. So by, my first question, right? I mean, every time we go and speak to the millennials, if you call it, right? I mean, the young lads coming out of college, or I just go type in Google Trends, right? The search engine, which tells you what is the most trending topic among the newest entrants into the market. The most commonly searched phrase or the most common trend is that how to start a startup And how to get a VC to fund my startup. Please answer this question for us. Is there a proven approach or a blueprint on how to start a startup? Are there any, you know, certain best practices, if you will?
1: So at, at the core of it is what idea do you have to do a startup, right? I mean, there are various stages that a company goes through. Clear is a seed and series A investor. Predominantly, we start our journey at the very uh, beginning. For example, in the case of Robin, there was no clear idea. Uh, we participated, you know, did whatever it took to make the idea happen, uh, morph the idea uh, appropriately as, as we moved into telecom, etc. It was all opportunistic things that we we helped um, participate. So it's not just invest in our case; it's usually participate and help uh, the companies. Uh, reach their, their maximum fruition, right? I mean, this is one of the key things that we do for a, from a founder perspective, you know, there could be many, there could be very well-baked ideas that we get to see. Uh, there could be some where I'm a gifted talent in X, Y, C, say, for example, in large models, which is today's, the biggest kind of hoopla right now, right? I mean, so uh, and I am thinking about leaving my job in X, Y, C companies, say like Google, Facebook, etc. Um, and we partner with them, and we we come up with help them come up with ideas and uh, seed them and try uh, the first approach. Right? But fundamentally, um, the life has gotten a lot easier for people to get money today because getting a cold email from somebody telling me that you know, I'm doing the startup, I'm the CEO, I'm the founder of this company. Uh, it really does not get my email. Uh, um, you know, I, I get so much email that you are never going to get an attention if you are just uh, sending in that kind of emails. And unfortunately, you know, uh, we try to read it, but even even getting through that is is very, very difficult in most cases, right? So getting somebody who has been a trusted hand in the past life, Send you an email saying I have in the past worked with this person. He's very good technically, or he he or she is you know uh, thinking about a great idea. Here's the b- uh, basics of a good idea, or he or she is uh, gifted talent at company X Y C. Is thinking about leaving. I think you guys should talk to her. Attention is immediately going from zero to hundred, right? I mean, uh, and it's uh, it's it's the best way to get it, right? Now, in 91, when I started my first company, obviously, there were no Indian investors. Uh, I mean, there were very few uh, angel investors uh, at that time. There were VCs, but the VCs had never seen uh, Indians in, in uh, at the rate at which they are seeing today. I mean, the day revolution that's happened in the United States is, is never uh, in play. So, you know, it was much more tougher to get money. So we went without money for a long period in my first two startups, uh, right? I mean, it was just core guts and core going at it because of various reasons, right? I mean, there were reasons why we did the startups, but fundamentally that has changed today. I mean, the chances of uh, people being connected to somebody uh, who knows someone in the venture community or in the investment community uh, as a general principle is very, very uh, high today, right? I mean, the probability is so high that you should be able to find the right people to give you the connections from your past. So that's the single most best way to get attention. Um, Obviously, then everything is is merited by the actual thought process you have given to doing the business, right? And then, and it also, this is where doing some homework makes a lot of sense because some venture firms like to see a fully built out company, meaning they wanna see, you know, a good idea, a good execution uh, team in place, and sometimes uh, some validation from customers, right? Uh, we uh, can go in with uh, just the team and a uh, basic remnants of an idea, but that's not necessarily the case with all the venture funds, right? So you basically have to look at what is this VC all about? Is he capable of, of jumping in at that early stage? I mean, everybody will claim I'm a seed investor in Silicon Valley. I mean. But, <laughs> but fundamentally there is seed and then there is a uh, seed, right? I mean, it's just yeah. very, very different. So you basically have to do that research to understand and talk to past companies. So for example, the early people at Rob and, and early people at uh, all these places, um, in your case, it's 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 a unique uh, method to understand whether the, the VC is, is actually a fit for you. Mm-hmm. And once you find that, find the best connection to the VC, have your idea being formulated in such a fashion that you can explain it to the best you can um because you know you're getting your first meeting sometimes you may get one or two shots but not more than that given the amount of meetings and amount of startup uh, companies that you get to see right i mean we probably see about five to eight companies a week per partner uh, times you know you can take 50 weeks and you just basically go and say
0: 400. Uh,
1: 400 companies and we do four to six wow. companies, right? So you sort of have to make that first level determination for our side very, very quickly. I mean, it's not, and, and we will get it wrong many, many times. So there's no doubt. I mean, I have, if I start looking at how many I missed, I probably will be sitting in a corner and saying, wow, okay, that's bad. <laughs> you can't look at that. You got to look at what is, in your hand, and what you do do as an investment, and then make sure that that you pursue it uh, to make it successful, right?
0: Okay, okay. So, uh, so what makes a startup pick? Uh, like, you know, are just talking about your personal experience itself, right? Are there any startup ideas which you rejected, but now you wish you had a stake in? Like, you oh. know, are <laughs> there companies like that?
1: Oh, there are many, many, many like that. So um, you cannot look at the look at the ones that you did not invest in. You got to look at the ones you invested in, uh, because it always happens that you miss some investments and you clearly look at it and say, "Oh boy, I mean, I, I wish I had done that." Or in some cases, I would have given some small investment into an early stage company and not really active role, but then it goes on to do well again. I mean, it's 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 not, uh, you know the the formula is 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 somewhat uh, simple in a startup, right? Your execution has to be um, above par, above any big company that that's out there. I mean, building a very good culture of the company where everyone can speak up and not issues are not hidden in terms of the software that's being cooked, right? I mean, it's basically. And no different than a kitchen. If if you put uh, uh, extra salt, then you need to figure out you have to compensate, or you put too much that you can't do anything associated with it. Yeah. So you, it's better to know that a priori rather than having an end customer reject it. Right. I mean, so you sort of have to have a culture of openness, a culture of uh, you know um, of, of strong execution, and then uh, obviously hard work. I'm not going to tell, not tell you. I mean. Every founder is is expected to do their hard work and which I find uh, very interesting in today's world. Sometimes you find uh, entrepreneurs where they've heard entrepreneurship is cool and they're going into entrepreneurship without not understanding. You know, they're not understanding that this entails a big shift in your personal life. Yes. Right? Yep. I mean, um, I mean. Like I remember my first company, my Christmas, etc., was spent at the company. I was lying in the couch and sleeping there. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, if my wife wanted to see me, come there, uh, bring some food and I will do some things because I had a release to hit and I'm going to hit that at all means. So it's it's a different life, right? It, it is something that you're not going to uh, uh, trade off. And if somebody says, okay, there's no hard work, that's a complete, you know, uh, fantasy because it's never invest and to the right, uh, you know, it keeps going well. Now it was that way for a while in Silicon Valley because there was so much uh, funds going along, right? I mean, you could get enough money that even if your idea sucks, your execution can have a few mistakes. You still are, as long as you're good at uh, raising capital, you could get many shots to go, right? I mean, that... In a downward economy like today is not going to happen right you basically have to understand that the one or two clicks that you get you've got to make it count with Correct. a with the venture person right
0: yeah so another question i had right do you always spot a wave coming or you ride the wave once you know that there is a trend like what is what is the strategy so let, let me
1: take this large model um, aspects of things that that are um, that's now happening chat Gpts of the world, yeah right? uh, we probably have started investing about a year and a half to two years ago in applications that use large model, right? We now have four companies that are using that that we have funded, right? I mean, so the last one and a half years was spent on that now we are we have to say, hallelujah, we've done enough investments shortly in a in another three to six months and try to make these these ones successful uh, and make them happen, right? So so it, it goes in waves. Silicon Valley is full of, of of investors who just follow the waves, right? Basically they hear this is happening and then there's way too much overfunding in that particular space. So you have to be if you're doing seed and, and series A, in general you have to be on the cutting edge and on the on the first wave of things, right? The exit value of a first wave versus a second wave is generally much better for a first wave. Yes. Now, that's not always the case. You brought up, you know, saying Googling for information. Google is one company which is number seven or some say number 19 in terms of search company, right? But a combination of key technology in conjunction with a great business plan and bad execution by all of the others. Uh, left uh, this team uh, in in leadership much quickly, right? So you do need luck on your hand and you do need execution, Uh, but sometimes the second wave company can shock you Um, and that's raw technology that makes it happen. And, you know, there's no doubt about that. Raw technology as well as innovative business uh, ideas that came about, for example, the AdSense idea of making the ads work. Uh, They were cleanly the first innovators of that, right? So you kind of have to look at it and say, uh, you know, I mean, be on the first wave for 95% of the founders, for 5%, uh, if they are esteemed talent and, uh, you know, have something very unique, then you may take into a into a space, which is which is an already defined market, right? Now, having said that, for example, in large models, right? You, AI has been now around for about 10, 15 years in in enterprise. But the first wave of AI companies which have done things using AI will all probably, especially in the enterprise side, will all get usurped by large model companies because life is going to get a lot easier in terms of what could be done. Um, There are some questions about uh, the models, variations and model giving uh, wrong answers, et cetera. So there are caveats to what it does but there is opportunity sometimes that happens to to redo an existing business and that that is well underway that's also possible in some area but in general simple principle beyond the first wave for 95 percent of the companies that we are funding
0: yeah but a team usually starts uh, with a prototype right but they don't approach you for funding during the prototype stage isn't it i mean is it fair to assume that
1: so, so i think Subha, i think you know Uh, We deal with companies where probably about 10% as a prototype, 90% as an idea, and maybe can go to a whiteboard and sit down and and chat with us. That's the reality of, of the stage we talk. So that's why I said seed. And then there are seed where you have actually done prototype and you have sold the first licenses, and then you call it a seed. To me, that's not a seed, right? I mean, that's like you already showed the proof of concept. But uh, but, you know, today in Silicon Valley, everybody wants to say uh, everything is a seed. So they will redefine a series A to be seed, etc. cetera. But when we talk, probably 90% of it, there is not one line of code written. Wow. Uh, so, that,
0: that's a unique strategy, right? Because what we have heard is... You you have you have to have at least a first customer or at least a sign of yeah, someone.
1: That 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 is completely wrong. I mean it it's if you're doing look in Silicon Valley, in fact, uh, you know, I, I don't want I mean for me personally, I've done uh four startups of my own, right? I mean, that that I have done. Um knock on wood, it's been these have been a great rights for me. My startups that I execute that I ran as a company. Uh, those ones uh the fun portion were the early stages of creating the technology i mean then you have to go and execute right so i love that early stage of prototype absolutely no doubt that's the stage where i think i can contribute the most for these companies and uh and i would like to spend more time on on those companies rather than the later stage companies right it's all about I mean, I got into this venture mainly because I think you know, the best advantage that I get out of venture besides obviously providing return to our investors is that you get to get, see a lot of great ideas from the world's best talent. Right? I mean, and, and that's, that's the best job satisfaction of the venture world. I mean, there's a whole pile of other things which are not the greatest job satisfaction, but that's, uh, that's life, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. So so the other point that I had was, I mean, everyone says, I mean, there are a lot of solopreneurs with great ideas, whatever. But what we have heard is that to get a VC to fund, you need to take a team with you, right? The solopreneurs doesn't work. You at least need a couple of people and represent a leadership. Is that true?
1: It is true for a very large sense that you do need to get a team built out, right? I mean, because it, it reduces the risk of being able to hire a team. Right. I mean, because if you have some people who can hire, uh, we have done sole entrepreneurs now for a few companies, right? And one of the problems of sole entrepreneurs, there's two issues there, right? If the sole entrepreneur is coming in and saying, I want to hire the team, I'm hence uh, and the team, the early people are going to be co owners of the company as I am, right? I and mean, they need that culture. If they're not that and they think they can keep you know, 80% of the uh, options or 90% of the options and you would work for me. It's what I call the India Bunia culture of uh, (laughs) startups, right? I mean, that does not fly. And so we try to make them allocate early stage. And if they're not allocating a big enough pool, some of them will give you lip service saying, oh, I know the value of hiring people, et cetera, I'm going to hire. But they are very stingy when it comes to giving uh, some shares up. And... Yes. I always remind them 100% of zeros, uh, 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 zero, percent of, you know, 0% of 100 is also, you know, the same. So inversely, you essentially need to make sure that your company is worth something to have some value. So getting a good team, hiring a good team. And if you're a sole person, you should say, I've identified these three, four people for various reasons. They can't join now. I will find them or, or these people, but they are going to get the co ownership almost as much as me. Uh, help me structure a deal to make that happen, right? I mean, uh, if it is not that, if I'm coming in and saying I'm the only guy and I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to be the main team, that is probably not going to get funded. Um, uh, and, and we we have right now a term sheet that we are writing. Well, we are putting in a very large pool. We are—I mean, it's—it's it's a single founder company, and for the remaining founders, we are putting together about twenty to thirty percent in the pool, uh, you know, and probably ten to fifteen for the other employees. So you just make—you sure, want to make sure that people have that allocation in their in in their in their pocket, and they are—I mean, this is one of the diligence things that I think we could have done better uh, at. Uh, at Clear, I mean, I wish at, at Rob and I had to get involved to, to beat them up, uh, early founders to to give some shares to some good people, right? And to hire the right talent. And it, it took, you know, a lot of uh, pushing and showing to make that happen um, for, I mean, and, you know, thankfully we landed uh, early on Partha and that changed the game, right? I mean, but uh, that's a good example, right? And being able to get that kind of talent, giving them the ownership to to make that count was very, very important.
0: Great. So my next um, uh, question for you is that, I mean, so we explored two important tenets, right? One, you spoke in detail about the idea, and the second one is about the team. Now let's talk about the third metric, which is the financials, right? What is the aspect for you in the overall financials presented by the founders that gets to build that trust? Do you look at financials at all, given that you're even open to hiring solopreneurs, helping them with the team? No prototype is also fine. So given all that you have told us, how much is the financials that they share important for you? What do you look for?
1: So it's important that the founder can actually articulate to us. That this can be done with X number of people and we actually drill down and we can agree to the fact that that the headcount plan you have is correct, you can build not only the prototype the first few customers with the first round right. If. Uh, so what's the amount of money required to get the first few customers and what's the amount of money required to deliver that product before you get to that customer engagements and a few people to help communicate and work with the customers at the early stage, right? I mean, these three things, what does it cost in terms of the people? Where are you going to put the people? What's the cost plan? That is an exercise we go through. And So if there's no point in giving a founder a couple of million dollars and he runs short without having achieved a prototype and the first few customers, right? (laughs) If you go to the next round, you need to be past these two stages. Otherwise there is no point in, in doing that, right? Uh, I wanna say like we have 100% of our companies which has taken seed from us and that the prototype has gone to go on and get their next round. I mean, this is a 100% matriculation that we have. But because we spend the time in uh, in making that happen. The, but the point is, is very simple, right? If you're not thinking through that, well, we probably won't fund you because fundamentally we need you to know and and we we spend the time to understand the technology enough to say, if you say it takes me half an engineer and we think that's an impossibility, we're not, and we're, sometimes we have expertise that come and help us as well, we're not going to fund that, right? I mean, it's basically, okay, what does a program like this to execute this cost? And can you get to a first customer, a good prototype, and a good go-to-market motion, and, and, and the first few people who have communicated our can now articulate that very well? Then you can go and and get your next round of funding. Prior to that, it's it's impossible to get the next round of funding.
0: Okay, so the closest access to a to a VC presentation that we have all seen in real life is the Shark Tank series. You know, I yeah. mean, that is that is our access. And so there we have seen that the participants are asking for you know whatever the money they want, and the sharks are saying, "I will give you this. I will have you that." Is that how we, a negotiation happens? Is that how people uh, come and present to you saying, I mean, let's say you're you- saying- know,
1: I, I don't want to say that there was no negotiation at the end, okay? Every deal has some negotiations at the end and then you get big law firms involved in closing this paperwork, it does take time, right? If an entrepreneur has unrealistic view that I can just be done if it's a true seed, if it's a note, then you may be able to get uh, up and running a lot quicker but having said that there's always negotiation that happens and has to happen right i mean it's it's a market and uh, the market is certainly going to have that right i mean so um but it's not like the shark tank where you know it's it's mostly consumer apps in terms of yeah. what it is uh, and and you can kind of and the numbers they are actually investing is very small oh, yeah I, I mean and and so when i do my personal investments that may be very much like a shark tank investment right? <laughs> <laughs> for, the, uh, for the venture fund right because i'm yeah. doing so and so is good friends with the with this company that company has worked with me in the past i'm certainly going to, to write a check a lot faster than if <laughs> is writing the check which is a lot more uh you know sane and 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 uh hard diligence that needs to go in right so there's a difference there uh of, of what happens and in that particular case of shark tank obviously besides the the fun aspects of things of what they make it to be it's consumer apps lower investment um and it's just pure pure you know uh, the- uh theatrical
0: theatrical
1: that needs <laughs> yeah. to be done right i mean but yes the negotiation does happen
0: and how much diligence do you do independent of whatever the founder, the founders or the founding team comes and tells you? Uh, do you spend a lot reason. of
1: yeah. yeah? So we need diligence on the founder's references. So unless we have known him in the past and he had worked with us or something like that, uh, we make a list of those investors. All of the partners at different times call these these guys. The best de- diligence is to then uh, look up. We have a uh, a team which actually pulls up names of people we know that are connected to them and may know them well. We would immediately call them. So there's a lot of diligence that is done. And uh, again, the main question is: is are they going to be you know building a culture which is very good and conducive for a uh, for a startup, right? And I mean, it's got to be. A very good uh, startup culture that that he or she can build. Second one is he or she, uh, if it's a sole founder or even if it's a team, is willing to pay up and hire people. Yeah. And um, look at Magma for example, or the companies before that. My salespeople made a lot more money than I ever made in terms of cash count in 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 all my life. And the, every time I did that, I'm so happy. Because they're executing yeah. their numbers, they miss their numbers. They're not hitting their numbers, but they're making their numbers, and they're beating me in salary. I am so very happy. I mean, it's it's just the way it works, right? I mean, it, it's, uh, Um, I mean, I I absolutely. I mean, the, I, and when Magma went public, I remember in two thousand and one, my VP of sales for the next year, we were setting numbers and we were having this event. Um, kick off the whole company, and in front of everybody, he said, "What if I blow the number by 25 percent? Will you give me your new car? Like, I just bought a new car." Um, <laughs> <it's at 600. laughs> I said yes uh, to him, and a year later, we didn't know till the night of the quarter end because all the paperwork gets processed that night. And before have he have he hit the number? So, at about uh, to 11:30, I knew. Oh my God, my car is gone. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, so essentially but i felt so good about about doing that right uh, it was a big bet it was a, <laughs> a company did 25 percent higher numbers but then well, what we had promised not on the street but we had promised to our board so it was, <laughs> it was very important to kind of incentivize and build that culture within the company where uh you know um, and but that requires an entrepreneur to not look at my comp look at the total value of stock increasing and thereby everybody increasing in, in their value.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now let's talk about failures, right? Let's say you, you invested money and the startup did not turn out to be what you wanted it to be. I yeah. mean, what do you generally do? Like, you know, two things. What is your exit strategy? When do you take the time to pull off and say, time out, this is not working? And second is, what do you personally feel? Like, do you, do you get disappointed?
1: Yeah, so I... I First of all, uh, you know, I am not a traditional VC coming in with an MBA background, becoming a venture capitalist, right? Yeah. I've had all my startups succeed, knock on wood, uh, when I <laughs> change an operator to a, uh, to a VC, right? So for me, every startup is not a statistical arbitrage of numbers, uh, okay? I really want them to succeed. There is no doubt about that. So I put in Herculean efforts. But uh, you know, very early on, if it's not working and there are issues, I go toe to toe with the founders. Um, I, I call them in, and we, we spend a lot of time. I'm doing that with uh, our latest companies even now, right? I mean, it's just it's a it's it's a fight with them to kind of make them realize that that at this current rate, we're not going to have a scalable company, right? And if you can't build that, uh, you know, so. You try that for one or two uh, efforts and quarter quarters, three quarters, and if the person is not willing to make the changes, uh, then it becomes a very tough uh, proposition. Then, you know, for us to put in our subsequent rounds becomes a much more complicated uh, scenario. Right. And so it, it, it all comes down to, uh, you know, being able to tell them uh, the issues that is coming in at least a couple of quarters ahead of time and uh, helping them go through that transition, uh, and in some cases, you know, it's because the market has gone south, right? Right yeah. now, for example, if you're selling something and, and you're selling into a supply chain business, et cetera, you are uh, going to be impacted by what's happening with the recession. Yeah, It's, it's a recession or not a recession, inflation going up, etc. You basically are going to be impacted. There is no doubt about that, right? So I, in that scenario, I find all this you know, MBA, uh, venture capitalists on Sandal Hoards, sorry, I have nothing against MBAs as much as some of them who have never run an operations come into these board meetings and say, let's sell. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, let's go find somebody to sell. You just can't sell a, a company at that stage. You need to create, if you have the fundamental principle that your technology is right, your market is there, then sometimes you have to find a path uh, which means sometimes cutting headcounts substantially, surviving through recessions and coming out on the other end. And this is, is something that, you know, I help the founders go through the transition. So sometimes in in bad markets like today, there are companies, right? I mean, we, we had uh, essentially probably saved like 180 uh, quarters worth of, uh, you know, total capital from all our companies that we we went by doing this work one-on-one with the, with the founders saying, we're going into a tough market. Don't add a headcount. Let's cut the cost uh, of what you have either planned or in some cases, correct as well. Right. So, so you basically need to make sure that that you go through that, that planning uh, a lot, but you know, if two, three quarters runs by and you're not able to change, or if the founder is not, Hiring people just because he or she is not willing to give shares to others or right, bring the right comp, then we obviously we lose our investment at that early stage. I'm I'm willing to call, uh, you know, a, a, a foul uh, uh, by us at that point <laughs> uh, itself, rather than spend time because when you're spending this kind of time, you can't make a decision so uh, late because you would have spent more good time uh you know good uh, amount of energy behind bad uh you know, decisions yeah. that that you made so it's it's important to call the bad decision but we work with the founders make them understand and in some cases by the way if you have two three founders two founders they fight yeah and uh you have to get in and try to resolve sometimes you can't resolve sometimes you has see one of the founders going and and these are all things that you experience when you go through this, right? So yeah. even all of that we are happy to sit through as long as people are executing, hiring the right talent and going through the right processes.
0: Yeah. So uh, so it's generally right, whenever we go and talk about investment. So you've spoken about idea funding and the team, right? Yeah. But yeah. the moment there is there is this grapevine or whatever we hear that the moment you go to a VC and you secure their fund, it becomes their. It is a lot of control is passed to the the VC firm that is actually funding you. They have the power to even let go of founders and bring in a completely new team if they are not convinced with your... Is that true? Do, do VC firms so, have that much?
1: So no venture fund wants to fire any founder. I mean, uh, unless there are some gross issues, right? I mean, gross issues could be, as I said, not hiring, not bringing in anything bringing in employees at the right comp, lying to the employees, lying to the board, uh, putting plans on a repeated basis and the board believes that that, that that's happening. So no one in their right mind wants, I and mean, the founder is what you bet on and what you try to survive on as much as possible,
0: right? right?
1: Sometimes the founder needs to realize that it's not about the title CEO. It's about bringing in the right uh, team and uh, that may mean somebody else as ceo again google is a good example the two founders were fighting all the time from what i understand and they had to build uh, bring in adult supervision in the form of eric Schmidt. right i mean but they had the common sense to do that i'm sure the venture firms pushed heavily to make that happen but um, but that kind of thing sometimes happens when you figure out that you don't have the operational go-to knowledge. You don't have the operational knowledge to make the right calls in a tough market, and there are opportunistically the right person sitting around the corner to be able to help you, right? I mean that's those are the calls that make it. And obviously, you know, I mean, if the person is is arrogant and is creating lots of issues with respect to employees, uh, and you know, um, I mean we've we've had one or two scenarios where we had to. Take action on the founder because there were complaints from the remainder of the employees right i mean or you remainder of the employees talking to others and then it coming to you you know that you're asking for trouble right i mean so those things are the only way a founder can can have an impact otherwise this is the person who conceived the idea this is the person or executed on the idea and uh who was very very key in executing and delivering on, on the plan right but but as with any plan, it's not the idea that matters; it's finally the product that counts. So, if in between if you if you cannot do it and if you're not bringing the right people, then uh, you know you, then the board has as a collective organization has to make the right decisions.
0: Yeah, yeah. So th- my final question on this: right, taking a startup to a lo- to a successful end right there are two things ipo or acquisition right what is your favorite way of um, ending uh, a startup firm like what do you what is what do you prefer and how do you do both
1: so i do not look at the exit as a uh, you know kind of the plan that it's going to be an acquisition or it's going to be an ipo it's just you hit the numbers and you keep executing good things will happen to you okay a company does not get sold, a company gets bought. Okay. Uh, Meaning somebody is coming in and saying, I need this. I absolutely need to buy it. Right. You don't go and sell. There's no sell sign that that works well. So it's got to be that, that, that incoming offer is happening. So if you are executing well and not focused on these things, the right deals will come to you at the right time. Right. I mean, uh, so for example, there are some times where the founder has decided I want to sell the company and, I may think it is not the wisest decision uh you know I had that at Robin for example yeah. <laughs> it was not for a selling I would try to convince partha that I think we should stay another one year or two weeks, yeah. two years right I mean uh it's 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 a not a secret I'm I mean, I do believe that that we were beginning to take that 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 uh uptick but obviously he could have been right given that the recession uh, hit <laughs> So maybe his call was was <laughs> right. But in respect to you, you kind of have to look at it and have that debate and discussions. And I don't have these discussions at the board level. I have these discussions one-on-one with the founders that just make sure I understand where they're coming from. And they may have their own parameters because of various reasons. They want an exit. And That happens. It happens, right? I mean, so you kind of have to have to not build a company for an exit. or an exit. You build it to create value. Once you build, build value, good things will happen. What that is, I mean, there are bankers and others circling around the market. Good things will always happen.
0: Right. That's a great uh, advice, right? I mean, a lot of people start with, you know, I have to exit in three years. I have, you know, these number of years. I want to take you to IPO. But rather, it's better to focus on building a solid company and delivering value and, and,
1: you know, yeah. like the best. Of yeah, companies. I mean, sometimes I know that some companies have built for exit. Uh, they see an opportunity where somebody would buy it. Um, I think if you build that way, uh, I mean, unless you have four or five of those buyers, uh, the control is within the hands of the buyer anyway. So yeah. what's the point of building this kind of a company, right? I mean, these these ideas am tucking for so and so is something that i i i just do not believe in building a company for you got you build for the customer value yeah and they are paying customers and they're doing well you you're all well set don't don't focus on uh, on these other things do you have the cash to survive and operate and create value then then you're done what the exit is it comes naturally
0: okay thank you on that okay. note i have ended the serious conversation we yeah. just want to poke a little bit about the personal side of Rajiv and ask you some some funny questions. Is that okay?
1: Okay, sure.
0: Okay, let's shoot. All right. So you're off to the moon and you're likely never coming back. What is that one thing that you will definitely take with you?
1: Well, that's a you know very tough uh, question. You know, I mean because um, uh, you know I've realized more and more uh, the value of family. Right. I mean, when I was doing my startups, I didn't get time to spend with my kids as much as I did. Right. And today they both uh, throw that on my face as a kind of a <laughs> guilt. So if I do something in the future, I would certainly be the you know be I would take my family and I would be uh, more involved uh, on it a lot more. And this is the guilt from the past, talking a lot more than than uh, uh, anything else because it's it's a uh, it was an imp- important portion of life, and where, I mean, I went to my daughter's uh, things first. Four or five years, I did go a lot, but after that, uh, till their tenth grade, when I was doing magma, I was probably a no-show uh, in terms of what it was, right? And um, and I wish I was uh, m- more in action at that period, right? I mean, it's a, it's a guilt that drives me that if you tell me what to take, I'll take my family along with me. If I- <laughs>
0: nice okay so a book or a favorite movie that you keep visiting again and again
1: so uh you know I'm not a big buff of uh movies and other stuff essentially in terms of books and uh, in terms of everything right now obviously um I mean I've been a till about last year and including last year um there have been sports when I'm controlling my diet and I'm uh, eating healthy, doing some gym, etc. I mean, just before COVID, I was doing that. When COVID hit, I gave up on all of that. Right? I put on uh, the, the COVID weight, and uh, all of that applies to me. And 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 right now, I'm trying to read and understand about what is the food because my, you know, I'm pre-diabetic. I used to be pre-diabetic. and probably on the diabetic range by now. So I do need to control myself. So I'm actually becoming a lot more learned about all the. Uh, you know, glycemic index indexes and what food. What I'm spending a lot of my personal <laughs> on this thing because I need to nail it down in the next two or few weeks before my next things happen. Right. So you just have to uh, have to nail it down uh, because it it is it is you know kind of reach a point where it'll have an impact if I don't control now. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what is Rajiv Madhavan's USP or brand value? Let's say you're not in a room and you know your colleagues and friends are talking about you, what are they likely telling or talking about you?
1: Well, I think there will be a lot of them which would say I'm brash, aggressive, uh, you know, uh, son of a gun doesn't give up. <laughs> um, but at the same time, no one would say, I don't put the hard work and I don't help. I mean, I'm pretty sure they would say those two things uh, irrespective of the, uh, the aggression, the, the, the push, that I do, that, that I contribute to those things. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone would say that. And I, you know, I'm mighty happy about a lot of my companies that I get are ex-MAGMA people referring. I mean, and, and uh, you know, it's been a great to have had a team built happen uh, in that company that's uh, uh, people have gone on to run many things. And I'm extremely proud of that fact more than anything else.
0: So what did Rajiv in his 20s wanted to be? Are you living the dream that you had in your 20s now?
1: So, so you know, right through my undergrad and even grad school, I sort of coasted through what's the minimum I need to get, get out and get done and get to the next stage is all I, I had as goals. I never worked hard. Uh, <laughs> That's <but>
0: unbelievable.
1: First, <laughs> first thing. And I joined my first company, Northern Research. I've talked about this. I had a great manager, Ed Wapney. And six months into it, you know, I mean, we have this April Fool's thing in in BNR where you know everybody takes on the new new kid in the block. I was the newest hire, <laughs> and they make something happen to you. So, for example, in my case, our emails were all in this VMS system um, that we were using the old mainframes. And they stun you know basically deleted all my emails, it looked like you know everything was was gone, back off, and just you know, come in and everything is gone. And um, and then half an hour later they'll come and say, you know, happy April Fool's Day the whole 50-60 people on your desk and maybe- <laughs> So I decided to go and take on the whole 50-60 people by yeah. I, I was, you know, I was one of the Unix gurus at that time and in, in, in the in the group at Sun Machines. I basically locked out, basically wrote, <laughs> wrote out. Know, but basically a security violation. You see, <laughs> all, of a, all of it, all of <laughs> the accounts were frozen for a while. And everybody's like, what happened? And and but my manager called me and said, Rajiv, you know, this this guy who did that, all that stuff, I don't see him at work every day. <laughs> so if you take your job and you actually do what you're doing at that, um, I think you would do well and so for the uh, otherwise I may have to fire you literally you're you've been not uh, you've been coasting for the last six months since I hired you so I took off and and uh, from there on every you know six months I got a promotion at bNr <laughs> it Really did well. so yeah. you need that person in your life who resets yes. you yes and he absolutely reset me to to, to think the uh, wise and it's always been and you know, life has all been Finding somebody who you actually comes into your life at the right time and gives you an advice, right? So I had no, even after I joined a company, I had no plans of doing a startup or anything. I became very good in this thing called hardware description languages, which was, and yeah. I wrote a textbook on that, all by accidents, not by, you know, plan. And you know, and uh, you know, until about twenty four, uh, maybe twenty five or so, I had written a product at Cadence. Uh, and I was traveling with the founder of Cadence uh, to Florida um, for visiting to our first customers and presenting the product that I had worked on, right? And on the way back, uh, he had one too many wine, and he uh, invited me to to sit next to him uh, on the flight. And I asked him, "What would you have done differently?" And he said, "You know, this analog uh, division that we're doing, I probably should have done that as a different startup." And what went through my mind is. And why am I not doing a startup? Right, it's just the kind of the light went off yeah. and I quit the next week wow. <laughs> to do a startup. <laughs> so it was just uh, you know I heard about startups. So after coming to the Valley for one year, but suddenly this kind of uh, opened up my my uh, you know doors, and that I said,
0: moment, uh, moment,
1: and I, and I said then I should be doing one and. I signed and he called me to try to keep me. And I said, but you told me. (laughs) 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 So that's, that's basically the, so it's been early on. It was a set of accidental things that set me on the right path. Yeah. Hard work. uh, It wasn't particularly, I mean, uh, that, that I put in a lot of uh, effort trying to understand what I was learning. It, It was just, you know, what's the minimum required to get to the next stage? And uh, and then and then life uh, throws a right curveball, and you you start working hard, right? That's yeah, the problem. Yeah,
0: yeah. So a bunch of college grads, exa- all of them from the same college, same degree, same same everything, right, are coming to you and seeking for a position in clear, yeah. right? On a soft skill basis, what would you look for? Which one gets to be in your team?
1: So I, I think the desire to to actually do something new mm-hmm. uh, and more importantly, someone who, in, who goes through an interview with me and asks me a lot of questions, questions, right? I mean, and it's not a prepared questions, right? Being able yeah. to interact and being able to talk and, uh, and, and being able to take some of the problems that's given during that interview to solve uh, and to kind of answer it, very, very important, right? And lastly, it's it's about, we may have an action item at the end of the meeting and say, why don't you answer that? Yeah. That person then takes a week to answer and studies and sends me an answer. That just means he, he or she has gone and talked to 20 people, collected the answers and put it together. Yeah. You want the person to respond quickly. You want the person to be very interactive and has to have, I mean, domain knowledge is a given, right? I mean, I that... Know. Uh, especially at the stage I am, somebody would have interviewed the person to say this person has that domain knowledge, the desire to work, um, uh, to put in the hard work, and the ability to think out of the box, um, and and be able to actually uh, you know engage with the with the person is very very important, right?
0: Okay. So Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, or Jeff Bezos, your favorite founder. Your yeah. favorite type of, you know, founded among these two. So things.
1: I have no idol worship of any of these people. I just believe that they all come with their own positives yes. and they all come with their own negatives, okay?
0: Right. So
1: for example, all three of these people are highly entrepreneurial and work very hard, right? Literally put their life into it, right? But different people have different strengths associated with it. For example, Elon, Braden, Vision great in, uh, you know, being able to market it in an aggressive but phenomenal way. Uh, Jeff Bezos, methodical, stays the line and goes on a lot more uh, um, straight trajectory and makes it happen. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, I give the value that he did fundamentally very well, looks like with his family thing, which is a big balance that entrepreneurs. If you look at the other two, they they're messed up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and you you I mean and and so you sort of look at what are the wrong things they've done and try to correct it uh not go for an idol uh worship on any one of these uh, three people right I just don't think that that no one in life is a demigod um and you just have to go and 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 execute on your path your trajectory uh, and not not be beholden to somebody's uh life uh, one way or the other
0: yeah. So you, your favorite um, activity to beat stress, do you have stress? Do you get stressed given the fact that you have so much writing at stake? No, right. so so I
1: me, to... actually, I, I want to answer this question very interesting to me. When I was running my own startups, I had less stress wow. because I had I could do the actions myself, accept issues and move on. Uh, in the VC role, all I'm doing sometimes is telling them what the issues are. And if the founder says, hell with you, I'm not going to listen. Uh, you know it just is a much more frustrating form of life than yeah. uh, than that so my blood pressure I mean I always had uh, you know um, all the parameters from my 26th age on I have had you know all those things because not because of stress but with my family always my dad I also had it so you know I mean like cholesterol all those things uh, from the first checking on I've always had those those things it's not like it's it's new for me right Been the first uh, test uh, guinea pigs for Lipitor and statins, et cetera, to now. So I, and and even pre-diabetes, you know, always been on the, on the fence. I don't care too much. I have to control it and within a tight band, I, I do that. But fundamentally you, you really need, the stress is higher for me as a VC than, I mean, all my parameters are higher as a VC than it is when I was doing my own startups, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's a realization I've made. My kids have made that realization for me and said, wow. maybe uh, this is bad for you. What you're doing. <laughs> I haven't thought about it that way, but it is fundamentally from a numbers perspective that that is indeed the case. So uh, the only thing I do to get rid of my stress is I'm a, a really strong gardener. You know, I mean, I'm, I grow roses.
0: Oh, good, yeah.
1: Um, I probably have around uh, 2,500, 3,000 rose bushes, uh, probably somewhere in the range of 500 to 600 varieties. Uh, so I have a rose garden, I'm, you know, I'm very competitive uh, in life, <laughs> even in rose garden. I remember, you know, my daughter's 12th grade, when they were taking pictures at one of the, I don't know that was Filoli Garden or San Jose Municipal Gardens, they came to me and said, dad, your rose garden is, is, is not compared to that. Those two, <laughs> I went there, <laughs> I saw it and now, uh, you know, I've, I've beaten them is my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I am that person uh, who typically does that. So it's 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 something that I spend all my uh, my Saturday mornings on, and uh, I truly enjoy doing that. No doubt about that. It's a it's a very cathartic uh, three four hours. You know, um, I go off and I do that every every week oh, basically.
0: That's good. So my last question for today, like, what is your prediction for the startup ecosystem in general? I know it's a downturn now. Not everyone is getting the funding, etc. But do you see that the market will revive, the startup system will thrive? Any major dynamic shift that is going to happen? Your, so, your predictions in general?
1: No, I mean, look, Bay Area behaves the same after any recession, right? Right now is the best time to do startups because you can get seed investment and if you can deliver you can deliver right now um, in a very calm and peaceful fashion so you can get venture like from people like us we have actually done more deals during the recession and startup than before right? i mean and the reason is it's an opportunity it's an opportunity also for the founder to hire new talent because before that they would go to an ex-google employee try to hire him and he or she is sitting on a pile of stock uh, at a high arbitrary value, which has suddenly come down. Yeah. Right? So the, the market has come down to earth that they look at it and say, maybe I should do a startup now. The delta of cash comp and stock, et cetera, doesn't um, stop them from leaving and doing a startup in a bad economy. So you get better talent, you get good money, and you also don't have the clutter of people making uh, a paraphernalia of one or two things that's getting all kinds of funding associated with it, right? Mm -hmm. So the best time that if you look at any company that has been successful, it has either been like, there's a whole pile of companies which are formed in 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, during 9-11, 98, when the internet uh, um, in a bubble burst, 2008, And those have been like Google, for example, was founded during the internet bus uh, regime, right? So you basically have uh, good companies that get formed now. Um, The challenge is to raise enough money to be able to go for a year or a year and a half before which the market will come back. I mean, every market comes back. There's no end of the world here. And when market comes back, people have very short-term memories They'll go back to investing uh, again into the in a in a sheep or a herd mentality, right? And right. New, uh, new new kids who have never seen that will join the venture force and will put more money, uh, uh, you know, into the space, which is which is all life, right? So there will be a a, a good times in a, in a couple of years. You just have to go through it right now for sure. And so this is the best time to do a startup.
0: Right,
1: right. Sitting on a big company, you can your better time to leave, um, because your stock price is also going to go down, whatever company it is. Right, it's nothing to do with uh, your performance alone. It's the market that's going to drag you down, and then one or two executions from the company will will drag it much further down. That if you ever wanted to do a startup or are thinking of being an entrepreneur, this is the best time to be an entrepreneur.
0: Wow. Well- that's a completely new perspective. Thank you for that. <laughs> and and Rajiv, I mean, I think we are at the top of the hour and thank you for spending a good one hour with us. We learned so much from you. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you for having me on the, uh, on the podcast.
0: And that's a wrap. I hope you all found this episode with Rajiv useful. I will see you again in my next episode with yet another C-Suite leader covering much more useful insights and learnings. Until then, stay safe and take care.